everyone, and welcome to another episode of Mindset to Mastery, the podcast. I am Keisha Rivers, President and Chief Outcome Facilitator of the CARS Group and your host. And every episode of Mindset to Mastery, the podcast, we provide you with 30 minutes of tips, strategies, insights, information, and actionable items that will enable you to change your mindset and master your success. On today's episode, I want to talk about something that is applicable to both teams, managers, and individuals. And it's this question of what's your learning language? And the reason why this is important is because you have to understand how you learn so that you can set yourself up for success. Um, Organizations typically don't talk about learning languages. They don't talk about learning styles because their primary purpose and focus is on achieving certain outcomes and making sure that people are getting information and then doing their jobs. But unless you truly understand every aspect of who your people are and unless you as an individual understand who you are um, and how you learn, how you process information, how you work best so that you can bring as diversity and inclusion initiatives talk about bringing your whole self to work, you have to understand how you learn, how you process, and how you work best in order for you to set yourself up and your organization and your team up for success. So when DNI initiatives encourage people to bring their whole selves to work and to establish an environment that facilitates people feeling comfortable to bring their whole selves to work, that means that you first have to go back and lay some foundations to create what I call a truly learning-centric or learning-inspired um, culture. And that's another episode that I'll, I'll talk about that in more detail later. But you really have to include the process of how people learn and how they process information in this whole scope of what it means to be truly diverse and truly inclusive of all people. So with the world of work that's requiring us to move, to work together more collaboratively, collectively, um, to be able to process information and move at such a fast pace, it's important to pay attention to the ways that our people work and learn together and individually. You can't be effective if you're not going to be efficient and if you're not going to be attentive to the ways in which information flows and in how that information is used within your organization and your teams. So you need to establish a learning organization and a learning focused organization. And that means that you have to establish a culture that encourages dialogue, it supports risk, it stimulates critical thought, it welcomes insights and it facilitates an effective and efficient workflow. Now I have another episode that'll talk specifically on learning organizations and creating a learning culture. But today I really want to focus on learning languages and learning styles so that people can understand what exactly it means for them to have a particular learning style and and for managers and and, um, executives to understand what it means and what's required in order to create that environment that's going to support that. So to, to be effective with that, you have to establish a foundation of communication, of teamwork, of team flow, that accounts for and includes different learning languages. And I call them learning languages instead of learning styles because it, the, the crux of it has to do more with the way that people communicate and the way that they process information. 
So other people call them learning styles. I call them learning languages because I believe that communication is a result of the different ways that we use and we exchange languages. And you know, you have body language, you have facial expression language, you have um, the way that you learn, you have the way that you communicate. So all of these are different ways of, of um, expressing ourselves and taking in information and giving information. So I call them languages. So it's just a matter of, of nuance and verbiage. So let's, let me give you a little bit of background. Um, there are usually four primary learning styles that people um, talk about. Um, and, and the acronym is VARK, V-A-R-K. And it's visual, auditory, reading and writing, and kinesthetic. And with those, primarily visual, people who learn by um, having to see things and they need visuals and they need um, images. Um, auditory, people who need to hear things in order to process it. You need to hear something spoken, you need to talk. Um, sound is what triggers your, your learning. Um, reading and writing is another one where you have to read the information, you have to write it in order to communicate. Kinesthetic means that you have to actively participate in some way with manipulating things or moving. And, and those are the four primary learning styles that most people think of when you talk about learning styles. But today I wanna to go into a little bit more detail. But before I talk about what I call the eight learning types and, and eight learning languages, I want you to think about this for a minute. Whatever I'm about to tell you with regards to the ways in which people learn is not mutually exclusive, which means that no one person is just a visual learner or just a kinesthetic learner or just a uh, visual or spatial learner. Each person has a mixture of all of these types of learning styles. And what happens is we tend to adapt in order based on our surroundings and the situation that we're in. So what we do is we have one or two learning styles that become more dominant because that's the way that we have to function. That's the way that we primarily receive information. So just because when we go to conferences or when we're sitting in a meeting or when we're doing training, um, participating in training, we primarily have someone who stands up there and talks to us and puts up a PowerPoint slide, you know, PowerPoint deck, that doesn't mean that everybody in the room, that's their primary way of learning. What it means is that they have adapted and adjusted um, in order to be able to take that information and then they go off on their own and they repurpose it and switch it around in a way that will best fit in to their dominant style. This is where you sometimes get a disconnect be between what you thought you were communicating and what people are actually taking in. And that's why it's important for you to understand the eight different learning types so that you can be able to present information in a way that is going to enable your people to get it in one of their dominant learning style um, modalities. And then that will enable you to then go back and say, okay, this information is not being lost in translation. And it's actually going to be able to be applied in a way that is more efficient, more effective, and makes sense for your organization. Okay, hope that makes sense. And so, we're going to talk about the different, the eight different learning types, and, and it goes into more details. There's, there's been a lot of research done on this, and the reason why I think it's really important is that as we get older, we tend not to think about ourselves as lifelong learners, but we are. 
every single time you go to work, you're learning. Every time you're interacting with the world around you, you're learning. Every time you pick up a new skill, you're learning. Every time you take in any information at all and make any types of decisions about what you're going to do, you're learning. Nobody has reached, by the time they graduate from college or they graduate from high school or you reach a certain age, nobody has gotten to the point where you say, I'm done, I know everything now, I'm not gonna learn or process anything new. That is not how we work as human beings. And I think if we start really looking at ourselves as true lifelong learners and being able to process information and do something with that information and applying it, then it'll make our, our work life and our, and our personal life so much easier to navigate because of the fact that we recognize who we are at our core. So when we talk about the, the different learning styles, I know you're gonna have these moments where you're gonna say, oh my gosh, aha, that's me. Those are the times when you have to really take note of that and start crafting a way for you to be able to play to that strength so that instead of you beating your head against the wall and feeling frustrated with trying to bring, take in new information and make decisions based on a learning modality that is not your primary, you can start to learn how to adjust to what's being offered to you. And as a team leader or um, an executive or a manager or a director of learning and development, you can start creating more opportunities to highlight and present information and, and create learning opportunities in a way that's going to address and hit on all of these different types of people um, within your organization. So let's get started. Um, number one, the linguistic learner. The linguistic learner is one who learns best through linguistic skills in, in terms of reading, writing, listening, or speaking. So a lot of times it's a combination of these methods. So for an example, um, a, if a linguistic learner wanted to tackle a new skill, their best method of learning would be to read about it, then listen to an audio recording and take some notes. And then once they concrete it or, or internalize it, that would require talking about it and possibly writing about it extensively. So they take it in, they have to do something with it, and then to show that they've learned it and applied it, they have to talk about it and possibly write about it. And so these are people who are teachers, professors, um, these are people who, who take in a lot of information and they're able to communicate that information by teaching someone else to do it. So when you think about yourself and you think about the people on your teams, which are the ones who are always wanting to read about it first? They're wanting to do some research on it first. They're wanting to uh, maybe listen to somebody talk about it, listen to a podcast about it, listen to an audio book about it taking notes and then talking about what they've learned and possibly writing about what they've learned, okay? The second one, the naturalist. The naturalist learns by working with and experiencing nature. So if this, in, in, in nature, I'm not just talking about outside in the woods, I'm talking about the world around you. So people who are always questioning how things work, um, scientists, who want to experience things, who want to observe the world around them, who want to capture the best information or knowledge through experimenting, these are naturalists. These are people who learn by being in tune and in contact with the world around them, with their surroundings. So they ask a lot of questions. They tend to say, well, what if we did this? What would happen? Um, they tend to experiment a lot. They're not afraid of taking risks because they understand that that's the best way to learn and to develop an understanding about things. 
Okay. So the musical or rhythmic learner. The musical or rhythmic learner is one who learns using melody or rhythm. So this would be like a musician learning how to play by listening to a piece of music or a drummer who hears beats in his head and on the street just from arbitrary sounds. Um, but it's also the person who learns best by humming, whistling, toe tapping, tapping their pencil on the desk, wiggling, listening to music in the background. These are the people that can't keep still <laughs> because they're, they're, they're tapping into that natural rhythm of what goes on around them. And, and for these people, music isn't a distraction, but it actually helps the learning process. I'm more of a rhythmic or musical learner. I have to tap. I have to, you know, I hear sounds, I hear rhythms, and, and I hear percussion, and I have to have music on when I work, and if it's too quiet, it drives me bonkers. But if you're one of those people that is very introspective and you require silence, being around a rhythmic learner is going to drive you crazy. So just understand they're not doing that because they're hyperactive. They're not doing that just because they're trying to be annoying. This is their way of processing information and internalizing it. So hopefully this information is going to help you not only see yourself, but also recognize the other people on, in your workplaces and on your teams and help you to be able to understand them better so that you can understand how to work better together. All right. So the next one is the kinesthetic learner. And this is a person who learns best by actually doing something. These are the people, they're scientific because they want to break down, they want to experiment things, and they have to interact with objects in order to learn about them or to learn about them in the best way possible. Now, I know it's not always the most efficient way and it's not always possible for you to actually do something or manipulate something in order to learn about it, but if you can touch something, if you can hold it in your hand, um, if there is a 3D model of it that you, can, that you can examine, you have to do something to apply and to test it out. You cannot go into a class on how to ride a motorcycle by sitting in a class, sitting in a classroom and listening to somebody describe what you do. You have to then go out and get on the motorcycle and actually do it yourself. So kinesthetic people, they have to have that application. And it's almost immediate when you have to have that application because if you don't, then what you're learning is not going to take. It's not going to stick. So, you know, common kinesthetic-based jobs in arts, manufacturing, creative fields like physical therapy, dancing, acting, farming, carpentry, surgery, jewelry making, all of that. But more importantly, when you're in your teams, these are people who want to build models. These are people who want to move around as they're talking. These are people who can't sit still for long periods of time because they need to take some type of action. So in corporate, as well as in other work teams and other organizations, you have to understand what that movement does. That movement is a way of triggering your brain to be able to take in the information in a different way and to be able to solidify and connect the information you're taking in with what you're trying to do with it, okay? So you have to have that hands-on experience type of thing. Um, the visual or spatial learner, this is a person who learns best if there are visual aids around to guide the learning process. Not just PowerPoints that have all of the words on it, but pictures or imagery, imagery or movies or short video. You know, someone who can learn best from diagrams or graphs would be a visual or a spatial learner. They tend to be more technically oriented. Um, 
they would be a person who um, you know would would become proficient in in being strong and being able to demonstrate and display what you've learned in a chart or a graph or creating a diagram or looking at a, a picture of it. So these are ones who have to look at taking con- conceptual ideas and turning them into some into a visual representation. Okay? And these are things that for people who are able to easily take things that that are that are um, things that you're thinking about in your mind and then they can take it and they can turn it into a chart or a graph or a picture or a visual or a diagram because now they're taking spatial and and um, not arbitrary but but creative concepts and they're turning that into something that's tangible and real so now you've got the logical or the mathematical learner and they have to classify and categorize things. They understand relationships. They understand patterns, numbers, equations a lot better than other people. Um, they're the ones who are more technical in the way that they do things. So if you're talking about putting together um, a launch for a product or putting together an event, they're the ones that are thinking about ways that you group people. They're the ones that are thinking about budget. They're the ones that are thinking about, okay, so if we're looking at putting this together in this way, these are the different ways that we categorize the results. These are the different ways that we categorize um, our actions and what we do. Then you have the interpersonal learner. And the interpersonal learner is one who has to work with other people. They work best in teams. They share stories. They compare their ideas to the ideas of others. Really, other people help them to think about new ideas of their own because they get stimulated by the dialogue. They have to talk about what other people are doing, and they have to listen and get that input from other people. So they're naturally good leaders as well as team players because they're the ones that encourage input from other people. They're the ones that their ideas can get jogged by a, a phrase or, an, or a suggestion or a question that somebody else brings to the table. So for interpersonal learners, they need to be in groups. They need to have some type of connection to someone else and talk to other people. For these people, it's not a good thing for them to work solo. So they need to be on a team where there's active participation and dialogue and and an exchange of ideas. And then finally, you have the intrapersonal learner. And that is someone who works and learns best when they are alone. They set individual goals that are challenging but not impossible. They're motivated by internal forces rather than external ones. They're often considered introverted, but not always. And they can be in really creative fields. They'll become entrepreneurs, sometimes small business owners. Um, But usually they're in places that allow them to work without direct supervision. These are the people on your team that as long as you tell them what it is that they're supposed to do and what the goals are and the outcomes are that they have to reach, they can go off by themselves and do everything and just come back to you and say, this is what I've done. These are the people that hate being micromanaged. These are the ones that may be considered to be antisocial or to be loners, but they're not. They're the ones that because of the way that their brain works, they can process things and they need to learn things and do things on their own. So the way that you, you, you help them is to be able to set up opportunities for them to work individually 
as well as collectively. And with all eight of these different learning styles or learning languages and learning approaches, you have to realize that it's not, like I said before, mutually exclusive. That doesn't mean that you only do one or the other. There are certain situations and certain, um, certain scenarios that come up that you may have one or two or three of these different traits and learning opportunities, learning styles become dominant just depending on what you're doing. So you need to be flexible and you need to understand that you can have multiple dominant traits, but those dominant traits can, can change based on what it is that you're required to do. So you've got eight different learning types, ling linguistic, naturalist, musical or rhythmic, kinesthetic, visual or spatial, uh, logical and mathematical, interpersonal and intrapersonal. So now I know you're asking, Keisha, what am I doing with all of these? So action steps. One of the things that you need to do, if it's you as an individual or if it's you as a manager or a team leader or, or someone who's in charge of learning and development in your organization, you have to request and present information in a variety of ways. If you want people to bring their whole self to work, that means they have to bring themselves as a learner to work and to your team. So that means that you have to then look at all of the different ways that information is presented, the ways that people work together to create solutions, the ways that people work together to share information and share, um, share their thoughts and insights. You have to identify and look at the way that your organization is set up for learning because all of this has to do with how we take in information, how we process information, how we learn about new things, and then how we apply it in order to get the success, create the success that we want, to achieve the outcomes and the goals that we want, and to be able to move forward to bigger and better things. So second um, tip, develop opportunities for people to learn and to process information in different situations and platforms, online learning, doing things in person, doing things in groups, working um, solo. When you're having a team meeting or you're coming together, having an opportunity for people to create their own way of, of showing what they're learning or their thoughts or to share their insights. Giving people as much flexibility as possible to tap into all of the different ways that they learn and all of the different ways that they communicate what they've learned is a really great way of creating more dynamically successful teams. You can't have people who are open to innovation and open to working together to be able to create great solutions for your organization so that you can achieve that increase in market share or to increase your sales or to have a greater percentage of profitability. You can't have situations like that where your people are gonna perform at that level if you don't create an opportunity for them to be able to learn and express themselves and to question and to grow in ways that are going to tap into who they are as learners. So the third aspect is you need to ask people how they learn. And some people don't know, but if you've been listening to this podcast, now you learn, now you know. You can do a number of, of searches online for learning style inventories if you're not sure about the best way that you learn so that you can actually go in and, and test and figure it out for yourself. Um, so there are a number of free tools online that you can find. Um, you also need to, as a leader within your organization, 
you need to create opportunities for people to learn more about themselves. Having time for reflection, having time where people are asking themselves questions about not just the outcome and what happened, but also reflecting on and asking questions about the process. How did our team work together? What was the best part of, of doing this? What was easier for me? What was more difficult for me? And taking that information and then being able to determine what works best and what doesn't and then making adjustments as required. Because unless you go back and you do that kind of action research where you are becoming a, um, a thinker about how you're thinking and about how you're doing in the process, it makes it very difficult for you to actually grow and to become better. So when I talk to you about how you learn best and about your learning language and your learning style, that means that some of the onus is gonna be put on you to take responsibility for yourself as a learner. If you are a team leader or a, a leader of development or, or um, learning and development or someone who's in charge of the professional development and, and growth opportunities within your organization, that means that you're taking on the role of, of a facilitator in the learning process because unless your organization has a culture that is conducive to and supportive of active learning communities that collaborate and share insights and share ideas and take risks and examine new ways of thinking, being, and doing, then you're not taking full advantage of the people that you have working with you. It's more than just checking off boxes and it's more than just measuring the results in terms of profit or loss. It's about maximizing the greatest resource that you have, which is the people that you have working with you. Individually, you need to understand how you operate and, and how to bring your best to the table and what you need to bring your best to the table. But from a leadership standpoint, you cannot create the best environment for success unless you first look at every aspect of the people that you have working on your teams. And I would challenge you to look at the eight different learning types because each one of these learning types brings a different perspective to the table when it comes to designing solutions and solving problems and achieving results. So I would think that you would love to have people with different personality types. You know, multiple intelligences is something else that we're gonna talk about a little bit later on another episode. But I want you to understand it's not about developing and bringing together a homogeneous group that all thinks the same way, processes the same way, learns the same way, and communicates the same way. True success in this age of having a dynamic and effective and efficient and successful organization that can grow and that can be su successful for the long term requires that you focus and you encourage individuality. You focus on and encourage people to come to work as their whole selves, not just based on who they are with race and culture and, and gender and, and, and religion and beliefs and backgrounds, but also they need to come together and to be able to say, this is how I learn. This is how I process. This is how I participate in the process. 
This is how I bring my best to the table and to the organization. So when we look at our responsibility, you know, what learning style, what is your learning language? How do you learn best? How do you take in information best? How do you become your best? How do you operate at peak efficiency? Because when people operate in a way that speaks to and connects to who they are individually, as learners, as people, as coworkers, as, 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 as all the versions of themselves, when we're able to help them tap into that sweet spot on all those different levels, now we're able to assist them in becoming their best selves and showing up wholly and fully at work, which then creates better teams and better organizations. So I hope this has been helpful to you. Go to my website at carsgroup.com, K-A-R-S group.com in order to leave me a comment. Let me know about um, what your thoughts are on this topic, any of your experiences, as well as what things that you would want to hear from me before um, in the future. Um, again, this is Keisha Rivers of the Cars Group, President and Chief Outcome Facilitator, where we facilitate outcomes. And you have been listening to Mindset to Mastery, the podcast, 30 minutes of insights, tips, strategies, and actionable items to assist you to, ma- to change your mindset and master your success. Until next time, make it a great one.